Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to the Chase Thomas podcast. Late on a Monday, where Matt Green not usually here, but Matt Green. I was in Dollywood last night. Fellow University of North Dakota alumni, Matt Green's here. Matt, like I said, Dollywood. It's great. Uh, the sports renaissance woman and I went, have never been before. She's been a lot, being from Tennessee and all that. Um, have you been to Dollywood before? So have you, is that like officially being indoctrinated into Tennessee culture, like going <laughs> to Dollywood? Like, are you officially a, a Tennessean now? I don't, I, I feel pretty Tennessean. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I, it is something where you're in there and it's, it's Tennessee, man. It is some, some Tennessee, but you know, what's funny. So I lost track of how many times and I didn't tell the sports renaissance woman this because she wouldn't appreciate it. Cause I, I it was like one of those things where you want to stop Tori and be like, Hey, do you want to know something? That was like what I was about trying to not <laughs> do to, uh, the sports renaissance woman where I was like, I don't, I want. I was sitting on this all night. I thought about texting you about it, but the amount of Virginia Tech and Tennessee stuff all around Dollywood last night was amazing. Because I was like, "This is why this is a rivalry. It's not far from each other. Bristol's not far. What are we doing? Why is this not a rivalry? There are so many. Like, I like. I just saw so boards. Right? Yeah. There's so many. Like, there. I. I was amazed at how many Virginia Tech hokey stuff and Tennessee ball stuff that I saw just congregating together. And I'm just like. There is no excuse for this not just being a yearly rivalry. Like, what are we doing here? We're yeah. Just... Let's kick Vanderbilt out yes. of the of the SEC. Like, give Tennessee that that ACC rival that the rest of the SEC East has. I'm all mm-hmm. for it. Yeah, because we don't have like. I mean, you're not gonna do the Memphis thing. We Vanderbilt's not a real rivalry, so it's like that would be cool, man. That's what I'm pitching for. So that was something I just noticed. And I was Vanderbilt like, and Georgia Tech to start playing each other. Like they, that's they would actually real. Care. The academic bowl, the academic <laughs> rivalry. It's uh, what the people want. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that it, it was just something I noticed. But yeah, no, Dollywood's fantastic. Have you been before? No, I've never been. I've been to Gatlinburg, mm-hmm. but uh, never been to never been to Dollywood. It highly recommend. Highly recommend. It was a lot of fun. Uh, got a little chilly as of late, but no, it was great. I had a lobster bisque last night. I'm a big lobster guy, and I didn't big know lobster guy. I'm a big lobster guy, and I didn't know that I, it dated back to when I was a child. Uh, the mom, I, I don't know, I just called her the mom. My mother uh, <laughs> over Thanksgiving, I think I forgot how this subject came up, but she was talking to. Uh, the sports renaissance went about it and was just like, yeah, Chase was always into lobster. And we would just be like, are you going to eat that? Cause it's the most expensive thing in the menu. And I would just be like, yeah, I'm really into lobster. So I would eat it. Had that, had that bougie taste <laughs> from the jump. I really did. Um, lobster roll is like my favorite thing. Um, love a good lobster we, roll. We actually, for uh Tori's mom's birthday, which was like day after Thanksgiving, we, uh, we did like a Papa Do's meal mm. at their house. I don't know if you know, Papados has mm-hmm. this like fondue. Okay. It's got like, I don't know, all kinds of, it's like crawfish and shrimp, like, all kinds of like seafood and stuff in it. Mm-hmm. And they like recreated that. You get like some bread that goes with it. It was amazing. I was, uh, I was thoroughly impressed. Was it like catered and they just brought it over or did? No, no like we just, like just Tori and her sister, they just got all the ingredients to oh. like make jambalaya or not jambalaya, but gumbo and uh-huh. just different kinds of uh seafood and stuff it was uh it was good stuff that sounds amazing and there's probably a lot of leftovers that you can get back to oh yeah without a doubt the 
the uh, the fondue wasn't as good for leftovers. Yeah, liked, but um, but it was yeah, I was impressed. Okay, but yeah, I was worried. So when you went to Dollywood, I was mm. worried the listeners would think you know. I, I was too Matt's emotional dead. <laughs> after that uh after that George Alabama game yeah I, I didn't didn't show up for the pod I probably should have made an announcement but no because like I got back late and I was like I don't really want to rush this after that and the drive back and forth and um I don't know just did not want to did not want to do too much as they say um so yeah no so I appreciate you uh pushing back a day for for this but no Matt to be clear was not running from the pod matt was <laughs> ready to go he's ready to uh to get back and to understand and to walk us through what happened on saturday so what was your what was your saturday watching uh schedule like well, walk us through your your sec championship saturday well uh baylor and oklahoma state provided probably the game of the day mm-hmm. in that noon slot so that was awesome to uh take your mind off of the georgia alabama anticipation mm-hmm. um but yeah and then just got got together with the fam you know did it did the whole thing and uh you know <laughs> just uh didn't go how georgia wanted it you know it's unfortunate i didn't text you throughout i didn't want to i didn't want i just because <sighs> i i know that if i was in that position i it would suck and I don't want people rubbing in if Tennessee ever gets back to the SEC's title and all that. Um, and at that kind of run, like, it, look, I, I felt bad. I, you know that a lot of my family are Georgia fans. Like, it was it was rough. But it was also just like one of those things where I'm just taking these notes and I just remember, early, it, it, for me, I don't know when you felt like, oh, this is happening. Like, the tide, for lack of a better term, the tide is turning here. And it was the Jamison Williams deep bomb like that was it for me where i'd written down i was like oh this is over like they're gonna boat race them but yeah but georgia was still winning at that point in the game well it was just one of those where the reason i say that is because i'd written down i was like they don't have an answer for that this isn't like tennessee where like i don't think they're gonna have an answer in the secondary for this i think this is gonna be a shootout and i don't think georgia can win in a shootout and that was just something that i was thinking and i was like i don't this is not how you want to play bama at all like this is, and it's also just not the Bama team we saw last Saturday, or I guess two Saturdays ago at all. Like it was just such a preposterous three hours that I, uh, I don't know. It was it was wild. But I go back. Yeah, to without a doubt, it's it's hard to explain. Yeah, just in terms of the turning point, I feel like the turning point of the game was the the fumble um, mm. at right there before the half that Nolan Smith had an opportunity to jump on. And Bryce Young was able to recover his own fumble, and Alabama was... That was a Heisman to... moment for him to be able to get the ball back from the Georgia defenders, and just what that I was. I mean, it's it would like, be a insane. Heisman moment if it, it felt more like an indictment on the Georgia player for trying mm. to pick it up instead of just diving on it. Honestly, you should dive on it, because that's an opportunity, just a free shot on Bryce Young, right? Like, just mm. dive on it, and maybe you hurt his shoulder, right? Okay, well, hold but... on. Oh, hold I'm just on. Saying, you just dive in there mm-hmm. on the ball. You don't try to get up and run with it. Like it was Georgia had like four guys in the area, but that that would have just been massive to keep it a 17-17 game because as much as you're saying like Jameson Williams like that that felt like the tide turning the the drive before because then they got the <clears throat> they scored on the next drive as well, I believe mm-hmm. Alabama. But then Georgia was able to get that that touchdown drive with that long touchdown to McConkey on the screen pass. Yeah. So they were able to get that answer to make it 17-17, and it didn't feel like the game had gotten away from them, right? 
but it was that that score before the half. And you knew Bam was getting the ball to come back. And yeah, from the half, and then I mean, what was that like a three play drive like where they hit like the fifty yard bomb mm-hmm. to James Williams? That that's what felt like the knockout blow. But I mean, it was just it was. Stetson Bennett's going to get all the blame for this, right? Like, I don't think he is. So I talked to Brooks Austin about this too on the pod of SI Georgia, and it like it wasn't Stetson. It was just the secondary just had no answers for this, and they moved around pieces and uh, they covered differently. Like they ran out of different defense and a lot of different stuff that they Kirby said that they were experimenting and trying new stuff, and it was just like, why would you try new stuff in this particular game against Nick Saban? Like what? Uh, what is that? It, it was not as much Stetson as it was that. And yeah, then, the defense. Mm. And Stetson didn't play great. And no. it, just how, I mean, he played fine. But it was just how last year when Georgia went down 10, right there at the end of the third quarter last year, maybe it was the start of the fourth, right? When they went down 10 in the second half to Alabama last year, and then it, it felt like, oh, now we're down two scores. Stetson makes a bad decision, throws a pick, and it's like ball game. And that's mm. essentially what happened here. Like w- once George got down 14 and then Stetson throws the pick, it's basically the pick six. It's basically game over. So you, you just it, – it sucks because Stetson Bennett, I feel like all the criticism he gets is just kind of wrong. Like it's the wrong kind of criticism. It's like all the criticism points to like his arm strength and his – height and everything and that he's he's not a five-star prospect he's just like this whatever quarterback but it's it's the decision making that's made it that's been his downfall like because i feel like everyone wants to just call him a game manager because he's uh not a big time quarterback but he he would be better if he was a game manager. He seems like when you, he's got in some of these close games, and, and granted, he's taken a huge huge step forward from this year from last year, but it seems like he doesn't game, manage the game enough. He starts taking those chances and making those bad, questionable decisions, and that's what really hurts George. And the first interception, I, I don't even know if I can put that completely on Stetson because Bowers did kind of change his route right as he threw the ball, so... It's a little miscommunication, but yeah, I mean, the guy threw over over 300 yards, like three touchdowns, two picks. Like he didn't play awful, but it's just the fact that they could get no pressure on Bryce Young. I mean, this is one of the most dominant defenses we've seen in the last, you know, however many decades in college football, and they just got torched. And, you know, there's the questions of, you know, fairly or unfairly of how good the offenses were that Georgia's played. I still feel like it's a little unfair because it's not like, oh, this is the first good offense they've, they've played. It's like, this is like the best offense in the country next to Ohio State. So it's not like, it's not like oh, they finally play a good offense and they get exposed. Like, yeah, Alabama definitely exposed them, but this isn't just some good offense. This is an elite offense with the best player in college football because I think Bryce Young clearly uh, wrapped up the Heisman uh, on Saturday. I think, honestly... I don't know, Kenny Pickett Bryce, had himself a game, too. He had the fake slide this weekend, which was the most iconic play of uh, the weekend as well. Oh, man, can we just talk about that for a second? Yeah. Oh, that play... that You talk about grinding my gears. Uh-oh. I can't stand that play. Like The fun police to, has logged into the chat. Kudos to Kenny Pickett, you know, mm-hmm. for running for a touchdown, but that is the number one problem with the way the game is officiated. Like... If quarterbacks are going to start doing this kind of stuff, like you need to get off the defense's back about hitting a guy an inch 
away from where he was trying to hit him, right? Mm-hmm. He's supposed to hit him in this perfect target zone and everything. Like, And you call late hits when a guy's a step out of bounds or when these quarterbacks are sliding. They slide late and then they end up you know, making contact with him and they hit him too hard. Like, this is why. Like, these guys are moving full speed. And I, the only word I have for this Kenny Pickett thing, it's like, it's chicken shit. <laughs> like, it's just like such a chicken shit play. It's like, I just, I can't stand it. It's like totally like just exploiting the way defenses are officiated. It was like, like that Eli Manning, like great play in the Super Bowl, you know, or uh, what's his name? David Tyree or mm-hmm. that whole play. It's like, Five years before that play, Eli Manning gets sacked. But you could tell the the defensive players on that play, they didn't want to, like, get a late hit on the quarterback or something, so they kind of eased up before the play was over. It's like there's just stuff like that that's just – you can't make defensive players, like, expect to do anything other than go full speed. I feel like that that play just drove me crazy this weekend. Like, it was, yeah, super crafty and everything, but it just – it totally exploited the way defenses are unfairly officiated. Just to go on a little brief soapbox, I that play pissed me off so much this weekend. If I had to, like, if we had to do something about it, I don't think it's going to be common because I think a lot of quarterbacks are still going to be, they're going to get their heads taken off by somebody at some point if they play with, they do that kind of thing fairly often. If that becomes a thing, a quarterback's going to get wrecked. Um, and then, like you said, we'll see how it's officiated. But, like, I think he should be down like that's like a down by and then that gets dicey though it's like how do you confirm but it's like no you see it in real time like he was going down it's like the same thing with targeting it's like if you're leading with your head but if you are clearly going into the motion that you're going to slide that's it like the play I don't think you can call him down though I think like there's nothing you can do in the moment right there to prevent that from happening I just think the uh, the result of this should just be leniency on the defense for, for hard hits, you know, because a quarterback can do this. And that's why people always talk about like the Cam Newtons and the Lamar Jacksons of the world aren't officiated like other quarterbacks. It's like, well, that's because they're not like other quarterbacks. Like these guys can just run for 50 yards at any point. Like you can't just treat that guy like some, the same as someone who's going to just give his body up. Right. Or just, uh, give himself up and go down. So I don't know. I, uh, I think hopefully this leads to just a little more like understanding when a, when a defensive player hits, hits an offensive player, like a half a second too late or, or uh, two inches higher than he should have hit him. Like, I don't know. I just, uh, I didn't, I didn't like, I wasn't a big fan of this play. It reminded me of Reggie ball back in the day versus Georgia. He kind of did like a, was gonna go out of pretended to go out of bounds and then lowered mm-hmm. his shoulder into into a Georgia defensive back back in the day. Um, You've brought also, this podcast back to Reggie Ball at least three times this fall. Reggie Ball, you're a big a Reggie Ball. Like, let's remember he's, some Reggie Ball stuff. He's an infamous character, that's for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, you were about to say something else, though. I think um, just about this game. Um, but yeah, I think honestly, I think Bryce Young. I think we're talking about Bryce Young. I think he's the best Alabama quarterback ever honestly I think, oh wow like for one he's just a freshman but i think right now he might be better than two obviously what mac jones did well, redshirt freshman incredible redshirt freshman mm. but like this guy's just like as good as Tua was and you don't want to like just because you play with other good players doesn't mean you're not also great you know but just so much of what alabama did for those two years when two was the quarterback it's just like everything was on schedule like you got like four 
first round picks at wide receiver is just like slant there, hit him on perfect and stride, 50 mm-hmm. yard touchdown. Like post there, hit him 50 yard touchdown. Like Bryce Young seems to have to make so many more plays. Like this guy, he just he's a baller. I I um I think he's I think he's the best Alabama's had, and that that should be scary <laughs> to everyone in the SEC. Well, I want to mention something to you about this. So Brooks Austin, uh, he does great work for SI uh, covering the dogs, and this was something he had mentioned to me, and I I hadn't even considered this, and now I, this is for you who watches every Georgia game, especially every Georgia Kirby Smart game. Um, with Monken and Coley, did it feel like Coley was calling this game for you? Did it feel like this was one of those where Kirby was way too involved with the offense and way too involved with the way they were attacking versus Alabama? Because you see the disparity, and this was his point, and this is something that I think Georgia fans are faced with a reckoning here of sorts. Because like I made a joke earlier this season that they were like, Iowa was Georgia of the North, and we saw what Iowa did, and we'll get to that their own uh, Big Ten uh, title game debacle. But the same kind of problems lay themselves bare where I I think this is interesting and this is something that he saw, which is that Kirby's 8-8 eight and eight when Georgia quarterbacks have to throw 30 or more times since he's been at UGA. And that's a problem. And it's something that I, I think I when I watch, I'm like, yeah, when Georgia is able to dominate from the line of scrimmage and just run the ball, run the ball, run the ball... It's great. But if you're matched up with Bryce Young, it's like one of those things where you have to know, you have to evolve. Like Ed Orgeron just handed the keys over to Joe Brady and was like, do whatever you want. Dabo handed the keys over to uh, Tony Elliott was like, do whatever you want. And Jeff Scott. And then you have Alabama. He gave it to Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian, and now Bill O'Brien. He's like, do whatever you want. I just want to win football games. Kirby still has his DNA all over this offense. And I don't think, and his point was that like, if you watch Todd Monken offenses before this Georgia stint, they don't look like this, that this is still very, very much what Kirby smart wants to do. It's better than James Coley. And it's better than what it was when he first got there. But it's still this thing where if you're going to get in a shootout with an LSU, 2019 LSU or a 2020 Alabama or a 2021 Alabama or a 2021 Ohio State, who I think would have beaten this Georgia team now that we just saw what happens when they get in a shootout, it's that you cannot expect to win football games when you need to play a certain style of game against the very, very best. You can win 99.7% of your games this way, but... When you're playing teams across from you that are just as talented and recruit just as well, but they are elite on the offensive side of the ball and they do throw 30 times or more every single game and you don't, you're going to lose that game every other time. Like that is something that you can't get into. And it was just interesting. Like I want to get your perspective on that of like the fact that Georgia did not push themselves and not put themselves like practice throwing the ball 30 to 40 times a game to get ready for this type of environment that do you do you agree with that sentiment? Well, for one, like, I, I just, I don't know what exactly what it means to say it's like a James Coley offense, you know, or to say that Kirby's. Well, don't focus hand. on the James like, Coley aspect. I it's just Kirby more of, gets, yeah. I think Kirby gets blamed way too much for, like, like, I, you hear that, like, narrative all the time that, oh, if Kirby will get out of the way of the offense, then they can be better. Like, like Kirby's been a head coach. He's aware of when he was at Alabama, the, the offenses that gave him the most trouble are the the dynamic ones, you know? Yes. Like he he understands. Kirby wants to score as most as many points as possible, right? 
I think what gets overblown is Georgia's pass attempts is there are so many games in the last, you know, four or five years that Georgia's blown out opponents. And but they I should still be throwing is, I guess, their point is like you should still be throwing, throwing, throwing and not running the ball late. Just keep getting those reps. But, so that, but yeah. see, I mean, I, don't, I just don't know about that. Like when Georgia is throws the ball a lot when games are on the line, like the first two quarters, three quarters of a game. Georgia's throwing Georgia's a 50-50 offense, right? But they're also but, a 50-50 record. Like they're 8-8 eight and eight when he has to throw 30 or more times. No, I'm saying like just in any game, like okay. when the actual game is on the line, like Georgia's 50% run, 50% pass. But, but and then when like they're 80, blowing 20. someone out, yeah. but when they're blowing someone out, then they just end up running the clock and so they look more like a 60-40 run type team. You know what I mean? But that's because they they have the luxury of being able to do that. I think I think what what um the difference between this offense and or this Georgia team and everywhere else Monken's been is just probably the personnel. I mean, has he had a roster that was built to run the ball at other sites like he has at Georgia? Like I would guess not in just terms of the volume of running backs and the but they Alabama and LSU have that. They have five star running backs back there. They had Clyde Edwards Hilaire. They had Najee Harris. They have those guys. They no, also have true. the same talent in the backfield that Georgia does. No, that's definitely true. And, Al- and Alabama's offense has been better than Georgia's over the last several years. You know, there's mm. no. But that, and that's the other thing I think that gets overlooked. It's like Georgia had their foot off the gas and basically for every fourth quarter this season, minus the Clemson game and obviously Alabama. So it's like this team scored 41 points a game b- before this past week. Like, I think they're at like 40 or something now. Like they're seventh in the country in points per game. Like that's a big time offense, and when you're you're allowing six points per game, like you don't really need to be throwing the ball all over the field. Like, like it, it's I'm not making excuses for what Georgia did versus Alabama because like they have to get better at throwing the ball. Like I think I think that the way this team is constructed, like with Stetson Bennett, I think they're still capable of beating Alabama. Like they beat play the same team again. Also with John Mechie tearing his ACL, yeah, that's that bad. Be, because we saw what they looked like in the second game. half. They were struggling. They had a lot of a lot of punts in the second Without half. Without a doubt. And that, that star position has been the weakness for Georgia on defense all year. Because, I mean, that's the position the Tyke Smith from West Virginia was supposed to play. And Latavius Brenny has been at that position all year. And I don't think he got a snap against Alabama. They just, they clearly made the decision that he was going to get exposed versus Alabama. So they decided to put a guy with less experience in. And he got absolutely torched by Alabama. So... Mechie seems to be lined up in the slot versus that nickel guy a lot. And he was just absolutely abusing whoever was on him. I think he had like 97 yards in the first half. Um, but yeah, that's that's that showed to be a weakness. But granted, Georgia's got to get by Michigan first. But that could be different in a, um, in a rematch. But uh, Adam Anderson, I think the absence of Adam Anderson... He uh, for Georgia is definitely showing now facing a, a big time offense like Alabama. Like he's Georgia's best pass rusher. He's still the tied for the lead, the team lead in sacks with five sacks on the year, and he hasn't played in the last five games. So Adam Anderson is is proving to be a, a big loss just from a versatility standpoint, um, and and he's clearly Georgia's best pass rusher. But if you just look at the game, like I said, the Nolan Smith uh, that fumble that Georgia wasn't able to recover in the first half. And then that, like, Brock Bowers, you can't, 
you can't poke like you can't say anything about what Brock Bowers did, right? Any any critiques about how he played? That dude is just a baller. He's the best tight end in college football. Well, can we dude, stop calling him a tight end? It's like the Kyle Pitts thing. If I hear Kyle Pitts is a tight end, but he is more a tight end. I mean, dude blocks. He's he's right on. He at least is is lined up in a tight end spot more often than like a Kyle Pitts was. But but that's the other the, the play where he went up in traffic in the end zone, which was a perfect throw by Stetson Bennett, by the way. In traffic, Bowers went up and got it, just couldn't secure it all the way through the ground. <clears throat> and that's that was on a third down. That's when Georgia ended up going for it on that fourth and nine on like what like the 13, 14 yard line, which I know a lot of people were questioning. I personally thought Kirby should have kicked the field goal there, down 14. But at the same time, like you can't blame him for thinking like three points isn't gonna win us anything. Like we're down 14 to Alabama. Our defense hasn't gotten that many stops. Like we need a seven. It just the tone, the ebb and flow of the game. It just it did not feel like Georgia was going to pick that up, and they didn't. They didn't even come close to picking it up. So I know that's another place uh, Kirby's getting criticized. But but yeah, just those two plays: the Nolan Smith fumble recovery, and then if Brock Bowers is able to hold on to that touchdown, like that's a fourteen point swing and a seventeen point game. Like I think, like. I think Georgia, Alabama was clearly the better team on Saturday, especially since, you know, shaking up the offensive line and Georgia not being able to get any pressure. Like, Georgia, you know, they they, they shouldn't necessarily be confident in a rematch with Alabama, but I, I don't think that they're just, they're just clearly an inferior team. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you have an opinion. Like, what do you think about JT Daniels and Stetson Bennett? Like, I, it feels like every Georgia fan is calling for JT Daniels. I just I don't know that he makes the difference in the game, but I, I I was also surprised after you saw how Stetson Bennett played down the stretch, like versus Florida, like it seemed like Stetson Bennett kind of left the door open to get JT Daniels some reps, and they just never really did that. So I wonder if we come out versus Michigan, and and we do see uh, JT Daniels get some reps, or if you just I don't know if you just trust Stetson all the way. I um, I tend to think this loss wasn't on Stetson, but Georgia's offense also could have been better. So it's a tough decision that that Kirby Smart's got to make, and everyone everyone seems to think they they know the right answer. It's complicated, but I also don't think it's weird. So. <sighs> I don't think you can win a title with this gauntlet with Stetson, right? Like, I don't think you can beat this Michigan team and Alabama team back to back with Stetson like that. I don't think you can do like that would be one of the all time great. Like that is Matt Saracen season one, Friday night lights on steroids. Like I just, that is so like, if he pulls that off, he is just a a college football legend. And if he survives Aiden Hutchinson in round one, and then just goes on to slay Alabama for like, that's just, that's preposterous. Like that's just, it's pretty wild um that being See, said think, oh go, go ahead go ahead like you said he like i wrote some he missed some stuff there's a, like it's hard to say because there was clearly a lot of miscommunication in this game i didn't know what you got from pickens but he doesn't seem like he's 100 percent or right all that much um mitchell did not have a good game bowers was his dude like if he doesn't have bowers in this one like it gets ugly quick um bowers was an animal and mcconkey obviously he has a lot of stuff with but like you're not running the gauntlet with a uh, uh bennett to mcconkey uh, <laughs> uh duo in the college yeah, but playoff I mean, but hey, don't, don't disrespect mcconkey now mcconkey is like george's like fourth receiver like fourth option and dudes 
He he's has fine. been a baller for Georgia this year. So he's fine. He's a weapon for he, sure. He he's fine. honestly he needs to be on punt returns. Like yeah. Harris Jackson does absolutely nothing on Georgia's punt return. He scares me for y'all. Like he is whatever the antithesis yeah. of Velas Jones Jr. is. It's Kyrus Jackson on punt returns. No, see, he's more that. What, what was his name? Wow, I just blank. Logan Gray. You remember Logan Gray, right? Logan Gray, Virginia Tech for Georgia. Wait, uh, Logan Gray. He was a quarterback coming out of high school, Missouri, from Missouri, like a dual threat kind of guy. And then he played receiver at Georgia. White Vaguely. guy. Vaguely. Okay, yeah, I do. He did punts. He was like a fair catch specialist. That's like the only thing you would do. Yeah. Come out to catch fair catches. And it's okay. like, you don't have a guy <laughs> that's capable of returning them that can also do fair catches. It was the strangest thing. Hmm. But uh, that's how I feel. Like, Harris Jackson, if he's doing a fair catch, like, yeah, he seems solid. He's got solid hands back there. But I would like a punt returner that could uh, occasionally make a play, flip a field. Yeah, I guess. But that's not like I said, those are like things that are not going to flip Georgia winning a national title. Like, I think part of it is like the Michigan matchup, I think, is really good for you. And I think that's a better matchup for you guys. um, All things considered, Um, Michigan said a great year. But with Cade McNamara, with them being resilient on their two headed monster, running the football, great defense, like this is kind of the matchup that you want if you're a Georgia fan, because I think also just the fact that these two teams are playing is going to be great. Um, this will be fun. I think it'll be low scoring, very close. This is going to give me all the Notre Dame Georgia vibes, but I think this Michigan well, team's better your, than mm-hmm. your first point. It's just awesome that Georgia's playing Michigan. Like yes. you said, like I think it's like last time they played was like 1965 or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, these are just the kind of matchups we need to see more often, like just two big time programs like this. But in terms of it being a good matchup, like Georgia, like they're not Iowa in terms of like we've talked about Iowa just doesn't have an offensive identity all year. <clears throat> like they should be a defensive team that runs the ball. They just don't run the ball that well. Like for what Georgia typically is, they're not quite as good as they usually are at it. Like, Georgia just even last year too. Just Georgia just hasn't been a dominant running team the last couple of years, and that's usually their identity. So Alabama, I think, what was being underlooked, like how Georgia's offense, I think, was kind of being underlooked uh, going into the week last week. I thought Alabama's run defense was also being underlooked. That like they were just a couple yards a game behind Georgia, this amazing defense, and you saw how good Alabama's run defense was against Georgia. Like I worry that a team that's able to stop Georgia's run and force Stetson Bennett to make some plays or whoever's playing quarterback to make some plays like that, that might not be the best matchup for Georgia. Maybe, maybe, but but we got some time to get into, to Georgia, Michigan. Yeah. Um, but I don't feel good. I feel bad for pooping this, but I just, are you, are you like, how confident are you that they're going to be able to run the gauntlet with Michigan and Alabama? Like, what 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 are what are your uh, like your percentage well, I mean, of like I don't think you right can be you. that confident at all about beating Alabama after you just lost by seventeen. Yeah. You know, I think. Well, was there enough for you to pull out of that game where you're like, yeah, this didn't go right, this didn't go right, but there's still enough for me to believe that if we got them again in the national title game, we there's a good shot we could beat them the next time. Yeah, I think without a doubt, just because I think the Mechie thing is going to be big, and. And just getting and losing like that, like I think every Georgia fan, and it's not like a, you know, it's not an equivalent thing, but every Georgia fan is going to go back to 2017. And when you got blasted by Auburn and Jordan Hare, 
and then played them again three weeks later and and blasted them in the SEC championship. So the difference there is that's Gus Malzahn and Nick Saban. <laughs> exactly. So it's not the same thing, but I know every Georgia fan is gonna like try to get some confidence out of that. But like there's four teams that can win a national championship right now, right? And Georgia's one of those four. So you you can't you can't be too upset with your your chances to win the national championship at this point, right? Like it's not going to be easy. Wait, hold but, on. Did um, you say one of four teams that have a shot at winning a national title? Yes. No, there are three. No, four teams. No, there are three. No, 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 no. They're fourteen point dogs in round Cincinnati one. Cincinnati has a has a seat at the table. They are capable of winning a national championship. How dare you do this to them? They don't I deserve that. I don't think that. they're going to. It might not be a twenty five percent chance. Like it might not be. A, a, There's a no nice chance. What are we doing? Why do we have to lie? Like it's good that they're in. We don't have to do this. We don't have to placate them and just do this nonsense. Like yeah, you yeah. Know what I mean. it, yeah. There's four teams that have the opportunity to win. Nope. Sorry, denied. Motion really denied on this very podcast. Won't do it. Won't give them the false hope. Cincinnati and, does not have a shot at winning a national title. No. And and the real story here. <laughs> Sorry, Cincinnati story, fans. We love outside you. Outside of the outside of the what the Greg Sankey conspiracy. That um, he George had to take a dive in this one to oh, get two SEC teams in the title. No, I'm just joking. But I see oh, people say God. that. I see people say that tongue in cheek. But the real story is, is wow. And this commercial is literally on TV right now. I was about to bring this up. Stetson Bennett sees American Underdog, this Kurt Warner movie being made, and he said, you know. If I just win the SEC championship and we get in the playoff with Cincinnati and Notre Dame, like no one's going to care about that. We need some, we need some adversity. We need to lose to Alabama. You know, have people have the negativity coming back on the Georgia program. People just kind of forget that they went twelve and zero. They want to fire Kirby Smart again. There's all the negativity, so then on Stetson Bennett's gotta gotta rise up one more time, and that that's how he can assure that he gets a he gets this story made into a movie. Mm. well we'll see i mean i think you're gonna have some if he get i know you won't agree with it but if they do beat michigan and they get saban and they get boat raced again in the national title there will be calls for kirby to move on like that's just twice well, in one there's year already those calls so there's some dumb fans that say well i'm saying it would heat up it would just the anger and just the anguish like it wouldn't be 28 to 3 falcon situation but it would just be enough to really really just be like what are we doing here? And this is but what's so sad too, is them. that like if Auburn just finishes the job and Alabama loses that game or like Texas A&M finds their way in or Ole Miss finds their way into the title game and Georgia avoids Alabama, like I think Georgia finishes undefeated. We don't have all these different conversations. I think it's strictly an Alabama thing. Like I think they're going to beat Michigan, but I think it's just an Alabama thing and I don't think they're going to get over the hump and it's just going to be like, good God. And this was like the Georgia fans who wanted Alabama that I was just always like raising a, like an eyebrow towards. I was like, no, do you want a national title? Like, why would you want that on your plate? You're not going to feel any less. Like the Braves were not like, you know what? Yeah, it was great that we beat the Dodgers, but like, we're, we're glad we went through them. No, like yeah, I would have rather have Kershaw. So how good does it really feel? Well, the whole, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what I'm saying is like, no, I'm glad they just made it through. Like, I don't really care who we had to beat to get through. Like, that's not how it should go. It's never going to be that linear and that neat. That you're just going to beat the teams that you've always had issues with in the past. And then you're going to win the national title. No, just like play the best cards you're dealt and uh, hope that Alabama is not one of them. And the people that say that like, oh, I want to beat the best. Like I said that the other day. (laughs) I was like, well, you know, if Mechie's hurt, like I think that improves our chance. He's like, I don't want to win that way. I want to win. I want to beat them. And I was like, well, 
<laughs> that's the reality. He's hurt now. Like, right. Like, and y'all lost Pickens. Like, yeah. Right. Like George had plenty of injuries. I don't, I wouldn't mind if someone had else had some injuries. Yeah. The whole thing is just silly to me, but that's but just being a fan. Thing, the last thing I'll say, like, obviously it's frustrating as a Georgia fan to continue to lose to Alabama, but it's like this, this notion that it's like Kirby can't win big games or, Oh, it's always the same thing. It's like, it's Alabama. Like, everybody's dominating. Alabama's dominating everybody. Like, like Ohio State, yeah, they beat them once in 2014. Like, they've only lost to them once in the last six, seven years because they've only played them once in the last six, seven years. Like, well, I think Ohio- LSU and Ohio, like, LSU had their number that, and it's been back and forth. Um, no, LSU had the one. They've, they've lost, they've, they've won, but, like, one time against Bama in the last decade. Well, I mean, they play them close. The whole thing is, like, they play them close, too. Every Georgia time. plays them close. I don't know. That time. wasn't close on Saturday. This, this play, I mean, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't down to the wire. Tennessee played them better but, than uh, Georgia. I mean, I'm just clear. saying, the national championship, the mm-hmm. SEC championship the following year, like, even last year, Georgia had a lead going into the second half. Like, all the games have been close. It's just like this notion that like, oh, Georgia's never going to be good enough. It's like if any of these teams were playing Alabama like every year, they would be losing to Alabama. Like Clemson is the only team yeah. that can really talk because they went two and two versus Bama. But it's like, let's be Pretty honest. Remarkable. Like, if Clemson played Alabama last year, they would have lost to him again. You yeah. know, it's like they lost before they got to Alabama. So I don't know. This, this idea that Georgia is or Kirby smart is anything lesser than cause he can't beat Saban. It's like, yeah, it's frustrating that you want him to beat Saban, but Gus Malzahn beat Saban three or four times. Like he's nowhere. You want, you want Gus Malzahn? Like, is that how bad you want to beat Alabama? Like I think Kirby smart, Georgia fans know Kirby smarts, the, the guy it's going to be, it's going to, it's going to like, it was a monkey on the back. We talked about last podcast. It's going to be a silverback gorilla. If they lose, two if they lose twice to alabama this year yeah. especially after the 12 and 0 start but it's like at the same time like what what do you want like you wanted to fire kirby smart it's like it's just a ridiculous it's a ridiculous thing you just you gotta continue to have especially this year it's gonna be super frustrating if george can't win national championship they might have like 14 15 guys drafted off of this team so they're well they're you're recruiting okay. not i think he'll be all right I mean, yeah, they're they're recruiting for sure. And I don't know if you heard Billy Napier's intro uh, where he okayed, like, yeah, we're gonna finish last in recruiting this this cycle, but we're gonna we're gonna build slowly. It's gonna be a process. That man did the full Butch Jones combination with um, who was it? Zach Reagan on Twitter made this comparison. It's very astute. But it was like it was a mixture between Butch Jones and I forgot the other coach who did this. But it was like the champions of life stuff that he did in the opener, where it's like, yeah, we're not gonna. Recruit. And it was like, what in the world was that? Five uh, star hearts. Yeah, like that's been. And I was like, oh no, no, no. But for me as a Tennessee fan, I'm just like, oh yeah nailed it perfect but then i was like so like florida owns us so we're gonna lose to this guy with inferior players for the next couple of years. great gonna enjoy all of this but um yeah either way i i i feel bad i'm sorry matt that the weekend did not go to your liking but you're in the playoff georgia still controls their own destiny they can write the ship they have a month they can they can they have the time like they have the time to figure it all out I am curious to see if it sets in both games, though. And also, I'm just, I'm excited for Michigan, uh, Michigan, uh, Georgia. I just think that is just gonna be a really cool thing, kind of like Oklahoma, Georgia, Notre Dame, Georgia, 
Tennessee yeah. when they played different teams. At, like when Tennessee played Oklahoma at Neyland and when Pitt came here, that was super That's cool. That's my biggest like yeah. – like the biggest – part i'm torn about as far as expanding the playoff because that's gonna be the best part of expanding the playoff is just seeing all these great matchups you never get to see Mm -hmm. i just i'm so like hesitant to do anything that's gonna you know devalue college football's great regular season but i have a question for you then go ahead if oklahoma state wins do you think georgia still gets in or do you think they leave out cincinnati and put georgia at four I think Oklahoma State's four. And you think Cincinnati's five? Cincinnati's left out. See, that's what I think, too. When people were like, oh, Georgia got in because Oklahoma State lost, I was like, I think Georgia's getting in, even if Oklahoma State wins. I I think Cincinnati's out. If if Georgia's three and Cincinnati's four, then clearly Georgia's the one they they made their mind up about, that Cincinnati. And I thought that's what was going to happen, to be honest. I thought, and that would have been the biggest buzzkill ever for Cincinnati fans, right? Like they thought they had it. They just, hey, just went and you're in. And then all of a sudden, nope, get jumped one more time. But uh, we can finally hear Cincinnati fans stop complaining. Okay, guys, you got in the playoff. You got a shot. Now here's Alabama. And that's the only <laughs> that's the only fair thing to do, right? If you're to put someone, a group of five team in the playoff, it's like it doesn't even matter what the seeds are. You had to make them play Alabama. That's That's, <laughs> that's just what you get. You want, to, you want be... to play big boy football? Here, here it is. Here's the biggest boy. Do you think that's why I wonder if that's why they did it that way? Because I think Michigan and Georgia, it, it would absolutely stun me if that game's not close. Um, well, not even, but you're saying that's why they put Georgia ahead of Cincinnati? Yes, because I don't think they I wanted the resume. I mean, okay. what's Cincinnati's resume. I'm like, not saying for sure. I'm just thinking like when I think about it, the likelihood of two blowouts versus one based on how you order these, I think matters. But that's just from my perspective. And they're no, tired of the blowouts. No, that's true. I um, I just think at the end of the day, like, because I, I know multiple people told me, like, well, you know, their best win is better than Georgia's best win. It's like, okay, yeah, the one win over Notre Dame is better than any win Georgia has. But, like, the next four or five wins Georgia has are probably better than any other win Cincinnati has, right? Like, Houston was the conference championship. Like, I feel safe in saying, like, Kentucky, Arkansas, like – there's there's multiple teams in the SEC that 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 would be in the AAC championship, right? Like Tennessee might could be in the AAC championship. Mm. I don't hate that. I don't. Not, hate that. not trying to throw shade to the AAC, but uh, also, did you hear on a side note? Did you hear Ben Watson this weekend? Mm-mm. They asked him like a rapid fire segment. The next the if he had to pick someone to win the SEC next, that's not Alabama or Georgia. Who would it be? Did he, he say Tennessee? He said Tennessee. Oh, go for like, good for I, him, I, man. That's a hard question to answer. For one, I would have probably said A M, but I don't really know. I wouldn't felt good about. No, that. you know what the answer is? It's LSU. The answer is LSU. Probably that's probably true. Um, like LSU pr- could probably win it next year. Like that's coming. Like the, we can make all the jokes about Brian nah, Kelly. Alabama's and not getting any worse next year. I don't. But LSU, it's not like they're there's a recruiting drop off. It's not a talent drop off. It's just a better coach immediately. And it just, they have the talent. And you saw it this year to compete with Bama when they're down. The, the talent just has to choose to want to play in the games. <laughs> like they couldn't, they wouldn't do in 2021. All I'm saying is it's going to be a quick turnaround. Like people talk about all the different turnarounds. Like the most sure and certain I am about any new coach around all the carousel and all the choices. And we'll get into some of the new ones today. Kelly is the most sure thing. Like, Kelly is the most sure thing, winning a title, next two to three years, lock it in, done. Like, done. I would, 
I agree with the first part. I don't yeah. think you can lock anybody into a title. Well, we can because every single years, one's but... done it over the last twenty years at LSU. So we can we can do it. For Have LSU. they done it in the first two or three years? Hmm. Saban did. Saban uh, was year three. Well, three. Yeah. Year. Well, no. Two thousand was his first year. So that was year four. Okay. And then Less Miles was oh five, oh six, oh seven. So that was year three. Mm-hmm. And then 16 was the year Orgeron was the interim. So 17 was his first yep. as the full-time head coach. Then 18, 19. So, yeah, he got it year three as well. So That's what I'm saying. Might like, be on to something, sir. I, I just – they're coming. Like, I, I just – I'm not concerned about that one. The stuff is all cringe, it, all that kind of stuff. It doesn't work. And that was something that Notre Dame fans – and I talked about this on Sports Reporters Assemble uh, over the weekend was just that, like – Look, man, and Andrew Hammond, love him, friend of the pod. We had a lively discussion about this. I don't know if you heard it with he's a big Notre Dame fan. And uh, we were talking about this where I was just confused. And I don't know if you were like this. And this is how we can lead into Cristobal. And then we'll hit the rest of conference title games. But um, I just the the optimism or I shouldn't say optimism. The certainty that people talk about Marcus Freeman and just there's no nervousness where it's like nailed it, got the guy, they locked him in, no search whatsoever. There was pressure to up him to head coach because they didn't want the recruiting class to go away because he's just an ace, like top three recruiter in college football, and you were worried you're going to lose him to LSU or whatever. Um, all that can be true. I like him. He could be great. The chances of him being better than Brian Kelly, not good. They're just not. And you lost a coach who stumbled into 11-1 and one this year. And we were like, Notre Dame's not even that good. And they just went 11-1. and one. It was a quiet 11-1 year. He has like a 76% win percentage. I just it, think, was, it was also a quiet 11-1 because this was a particularly weak Notre Dame schedule. My point year. is we've seen Notre Dame before. Like we've seen what it can be and how quickly things can go like that. Back down to five and seven, six and six, rough recruiting, all that kind of stuff. Just an absolute mess. Brian Kelly that's was true. stable. That was but all also, stability. It, it didn't hurt that that's the program he's inheriting, though. Like true, Brian Kelly also he left it in a better program a than yeah. in his own right. But he's definitely being put in a position to succeed. But For yeah, sure. I feel like it's like the Shane Beamer thing. Yes, everyone just likes his personality, so it's like, oh, boom, they got the guy. It's like, well. Let's, let's let's wait. Let's make sure they win some games first. Right. Like South Carolina fans are excited. I'm like, where do you think these wins are coming? Like, who, who are you upping in this? Like, Although, I don't... to be fair, like for year one, they should be excited. I was. No, I was the they shouldn't. The break I mean, they went six and six this year. Hold on. Okay. Well, then I saw they had they were feeling themselves this weekend. Uh, the Gamecock fan base. I don't know if you saw they were out here all over social media reminding folks. Do you know what their stat that they get to remind folks until it? It changes. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the last team from the East to beat Bama. Yes, that's what they're sticking to. It's great. Uh, it's shout just out to like Stephen Garcia. The, um, the, you always hear every time the last undefeated team loses in the NFL that the 72 Dolphins pop champagne. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Steven, Steven Garcia lights up, a, <laughs> lights up a cigar to celebrate. That would be amazing. I want that to be a thing. Is Steve? I want the South Carolina Gamecocks like from that class. Like they still there's like a group chat of like, are you watching this? Are they gonna do it? Um, it's crazy too because that was they lost they won eleven games three years in a row. That mm. wasn't even the team that won eleven games. Mm. The team that won the East in 2010. I think yeah. they went like ten and four or nine and four or something that year. And 
the next three years are the ones they won 11 games. Didn't win the East any of those years. Well, the reason I'm just like, okay, South Carolina fans, like Stoops just locked in his contract. He's not going anywhere. So they're not falling off. Um, Tennessee's only get going up. Like, Heupel's locked up. Like, Walter Nolan's in play. Like, that is, if you're reading the reports, like I said, I think the his parents are from here, They from Memphis. They, like, quotes this week, it was like, it's, Tennessee's had him on an official visit this weekend. Uh, Powell just won their playoff game this weekend. I don't think, it, it's definitely not a locked-in thing. And if you get the number two player in the class, that changes the class a lot. Um, but all I'm saying is, like, that's coming. The The money's there. Danny White spent a bunch of money on recruiting and all this other stuff. So, and the new facility upgrades, all that's coming, like $25 million there. Fundraising machine. Georgia's not going anywhere. And Mizzou is recruiting their tail off. Like, have you looked at where Mizzou is right now? They're in, what, top 15 in the 2022 class? I uh, I was not aware of that. Yeah, they're recruiting really well, too. So I'm like, where are these wins coming? Or where is are you it, jumping uh, up? Is it, that, is it really that good of a class? Or is it just a full class already? And so, like, they got, like, 25 commits already. They have a good class. I think they have at least one five-star. I mean, you know they got Sam Horn, the quarterback from Collins Hill, in the class. Um... But. I've been told by people in uh, high school football circles, I think this is the best Col- – this Collins Hill They're 13th team right now, by the way. The best, might be the best team in the history of the state of Georgia. I've heard people say that. Uh, well, they're wrong because I – let me uh, show you the team that went uh, – Park, The Parkview team or something? Yeah, 99, 2000, 2001, sir. Didn't lose a game for yeah, three straight years. Era. Yeah, like let's let's like let's not show our age that much there. Like yeah, that Missouri. You're right. The 13th ranked class, and they only have 16 commits. So that's um, that could get better. So that's what I'm saying. Missouri works if some other teams uh, jump them there, but yeah, they're fine. Like Missouri's actually like they're doing what they need to do. Um, yeah, Luther Bird, and that was the big name, the number six player in the class, committed to them not too long ago. Um. <laughs> or the Oklahoma decommit. Yeah. Speaking of recruiting, have you seen what A&M is doing? Just absurd what what Texas A&M is doing. They (laughs) could end up with like six of the top, I think like 20 players in the country or something. Like they're they're just absurd right now. Well, Walter Nolan is not locked in there. I would just, I would keep an eye on Nolan. I, uh, because Tennessee right now is 20th, which is really good for where Hypel came in and where we're at right now. So, um i'll take 20th at the moment i like i like to look at the average mm-hmm. um kind of tells you more because georgia has the number one class right now but um alabama has the highest average and then ohio state per commit and ohio state's second and then a&m is third so hmm. and georgia's right behind them at four so it's uh it's it's interesting yeah and then the last thing i'll say about the notre dame stuff is just that like if luke fickle really wanted that job and matt campbell it's just the certainty of being like, no, we got our guy. It's like, are you sure he's going to be better than Luke Fickle or Matt Campbell? Because we know what they are. We know that they're elite coaches. Like, we know that. They're a commodity. Like, Freeman, I think, may have a better, higher ceiling, potentially, because he's an unknown and just an ace recruiter and just might be the guy. Um, but I don't know, man. I would be nervous that we did not give a long look at Fickle and Campbell, considering they were both reportedly interested and... I, I don't know. That would just... My point is, like, it's not that I think he'll fail. I I think, if I had to guess right now, he'll be worse than Kelly, just because it's really hard to follow that kind of consistency and that kind of winning back-to-back. Um, that's not common in a lot of college football programs. So, we'll see. But, I don't know. It's just... We'll see. We'll see what happens I'll say the there. biggest thing is, if getting Marcus Freeman allowed you to basically keep the entire coaching staff, 
that's a pretty big win. Yeah. Like, to lose a coach to a program as big as LSU and not have any of the assistants leave with him. And Notre Dame's also in this weird position of like like what kind of job they are that because because there is this academic aspect to it. Like I know Urban Meyer years ago when he took the Florida job, he had the opportunity to take the Notre Dame job and he's like named after a pope and he's Catholic. It's like it was the most perfect fit ever. But the academic aspect is what I've always heard kind of turned Urban Meyer away from Notre Dame. So you worry as a as a program as prestigious as Notre Dame. I think everyone is just terrified of the PR nightmare and like just having a job that's vacant for too long. Yeah. And it just kind of makes you look bad. You promote from within like this guy's already a part of the culture at Notre Dame. I feel like it's an easy way to justify that like we're still on the same path that we were and we got the guy we wanted and we didn't need to get someone from the outside. Like who knows? We'll see how it works out for him for sure. Uh, between, between Mario Cristobal to Miami and Brent Venables to Oklahoma, which do you like more? Well, I mean, I like like who I, who I think is gonna be most successful, more mm-hmm. successful at their job. I think Brent Venables will be better. Mm. I, um, even though he's a first time head coach, I think for one, well documented how I think Mario Cristobal is overrated mm-hmm. uh, at Oregon. The, recruiting the South Florida thing, like he's going to be able to do that. He's a Miami guy. Like maybe they got their Kirby Smart. You know, he's this is home for him. But I don't think that Miami's a better job than Oregon. Honestly, like not in 2021. Like just with with everything they have with Nike and the facilities and just the brand that is Oregon. I think I think that brand. It's almost it's what it's kind of what Miami used to be. Like obviously they're not nearly as legit of a program, but just in terms of the swag and the and everything like that, like I feel like Oregon has a lot of street cred when it comes with recruits and everything. You know, it's just that brand carries a lot of weight, and it's just very cool. Everything about Oregon is cool to to high schoolers, and I just like that's how I always felt about Miami, and everyone I knew always felt about Miami, but they were always legit. Like it's just been so. It's been so long since Miami was that. Like, what high schoolers coming out now like care about Miami, the Miami Hurricanes? Like, maybe the ones from South Florida do, and maybe you know a guy who can, who's from that area, can recruit that area. You know, maybe he's the one to bring Miami back. I just there's some programs that get down, like we've talked about Nebraska time and time again here. There's some that I worry about their ability to get back up. Like Miami obviously has the the recruiting footprint down there to be able to get it done there's so much talent that's coming out of the state that's coming out of south florida specifically but everyone everyone in college football is coming down to florida to poach that talent too so i don't know i i like that uh an interesting guy is at miami they just straight did manny diaz dirty um but well hold on let's stop there because do you remember what manny diaz did to temple no, that's true. But this is way he took worse. that job and then backed out a couple of days he was after on the when job Miami for what, up. a week. What what difference did it really? Well, make? I mean, that's still oh, a sl- it's almost like it never happened. I mean, it, it. Let's just be clear. There's just it's not like his uh his uh what is it? Don't throw rocks at glass houses. What is that saying? Don't throw yeah, throw stones. Yeah, that's essentially what like I I don't know. Manny Diaz is one of the rare exceptions to this where I'm like, ah. 
I think, don't know. I think those those who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, not just don't throw stones at glass houses. That's a different reason you shouldn't do that. I think just be a, be a <laughs> dick move. But uh, also, why are you having glass houses? Who has? That's who, true. Who, that's who in this world has a glass architectural house? flaw right there? Yeah, but um, you can tell I don't use that uh, phrase very often. Yeah, but so I think Mario Cristobal. It's interesting, and for Miami, if I was a Miami fan, I'd be stoked about it. But um. See, I'm not even stoked if I'm a Miami fan about Cristobal. I'm stoked that we have the money again. It's just like they get Clemson's AD after they get Cristobal on board. And suddenly it's like, oh, my God, like they get the money. And then you look at how they got the money and there is some shady stuff there. And then, I mean, they're we that's just a whole other podcast it's probably like we need to like i might make a separate doc matt to like go through all the nil and booster stuff and we just do like different pods like diving in how miami got clemson's ad and mario cristobal with a sitting head coach like that's like an entire episode in and of itself um but i could be i i just this is the game changer it's like when you get the billionaire boosters invested again you're like oh we're back in it just like that like they're just back in it and miami I got in an argument with our text thread about this in the family group chat because I have a lot of FSU uh, alumni in my my family, and I was that we were talking about uh, Florida jobs and the Sleeping Giants, and this was like a few weeks back, and I was like, I don't think it's a question that Miami's just the highest upside of any of them. Like, I don't think it's particularly close, and I think they're the Sleeping Giant. Like, if Miami just gets their booster stuff right and the money right, like they're easily like Florida State and Florida can't pull from that because um, I think if Miami were able to get their, you know what, together. They could be the dominant, dominant program um, in Florida. Like, there's really no excuse, just kind of like USC and uh, Texas and schools like that. Like, there's just no See, excuse. I don't my- know if I agree with that because it, it's like you kind of say that about all three of them. Like, if they just, if they got everything together. No, they don't have the they... money. Like, Miami has the money and the area. Like, but there's why a difference. Does Miami have more money than Florida and Florida State. Boosters. It's just the money. And I mean, I don't know. It's like a private school and yeah. everything. But I would think Florida, I mean. Well, we just saw you like the third, fourth highest uh, enrollment in the entire country, I think. There's like 40 something thousand. Well, it's not about uh, enrollment. Student. It's about who graduated and who does what. Like, look at Phil Knight at Oregon. That's it, fair. it matters who graduated and what. Like, that's just, that's a game changer when you get your own Phil Knight. Um. Yeah, I think the Morgan and Morgan guy. I think he's a uh, and he's a big Florida booster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like that kind of stuff, unfortunately, really matters. And it's clear that with these moves, that they are focused on cleaning up their football program. So we'll see. And then it's like a body blow thing. Like it looks like Tony Elliott's still looking for another job. Um, Oregon just got decimated because uh, Moorhead took the Akron job. Now Cristobal's gone from Oregon. Who knows where they go? Because guess what? They're getting late pickings here because a lot of jobs have been filled now. Like Kalen DeBoer, who would have made sense at Oregon, he took the Washington job. Um, now I just Jerry Moore is Joe Moorhead gonna uh, gonna pull up Manny Diaz and be like, you know, yeah, that's true. I might just go bounce back to Oregon. I, I still got my <laughs> office. I haven't actually cleaned it out yet. He's a big Zips guy. Um, I think he's also an East Coast Pennsylvania guy, so maybe he is not a big West Coast guy. Anyway, um, I don't know. I just I think this is all extremely like this is gonna be interesting. Like the Oregon job, I agree with you, is a better job, and the Pac-12 is just an easier path to success. But then again, the ACC is not exactly a murderous row. It's the ACC, and the talent is already there. It's way easier to get the talent at Miami, or it should be theoretically. It should be easier to get the talent. There's just that Nike Oregon stuff. It's I don't know. It's kind of like an X factor. There's something to like 
I bet you if you went on a visit to Oregon and saw their facilities and everything they had going on, it'd be hard to say no. Maybe. Maybe. Um, it's possible. It's possible. Well, let's hit quickly um, the other the other games, uh, the conference championship game. So Michigan blows out. Uh, they blow out Iowa. This was just a disaster all over the... Like, how do you fire your son? Like, that is the conversation this offseason uh, for Iowa football fans. Do you, did you see what bowl game Iowa got? Oh, uh, no, I didn't. Iowa, Kentucky. Who's watching that? I have no... Oh, my God. Like, there... So Iowa, Kentucky, I would guess... Oh, is that the Capital One Bowl? Maybe. I don't remember which bowl it is off the top of my head, but it's a it's one of the Florida ones, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I would think the that traditional SEC Big Ten matchup. Yeah, and then we're already getting the opt outs. Like uh, Purdue's best defensive player just opted out of the Purdue Tennessee bowl game, Music City in Nashville. Yeah, Thibodeau uh, has opted out as well. That's just so I get it, but man, it's a bummer. It really is a bummer. Yeah, I. It's hard to to get to too worked up about it especially with what these coaches are doing bouncing on their teams before conference championships well see that's the other thing is like that that's i see that a lot on on twitter and stuff i never engage but i'll I'll scroll through that it's like well they it's like well both are wrong or i shouldn't say both are wrong both are not good for the sport is what i'll say both are bad for the sport and the product it's like i get it coaches is worse though yeah because the players it's like we all understand these guys like you know, but no one does it not get opinions. it who's arguing like they should play they're there they should be playing is there people like that still i guess I there mean, probably there's are. definitely people i mean they're fans those are the people i mean it's but i mean if you talk to georgia fans they weren't complaining when they were pull- like when guys were sitting and stuff like that i don't think that was i, I mean, mean you are but you aren't like as as a fan and watching the product you're like wow it'd be way better to have eric stokes out here and yeah. Tyson Campbell out here you know but you don't get too hung up on it because you're like, well, these guys gave us some good years. Like this bowl game doesn't actually mean anything. Like it's it's the coaches bouncing when there's still meaningful games left to play. And Grant, I guess Notre Dame still didn't actually have they never actually had a playoff mm. game to play. So that narrative it know, almost happened though. It almost did, but so that narrative isn't there with Brian Kelly. But um, but yeah, it's and the coaches are also. The ones that are constantly preaching the the loyalty and the commitment and all that. I think that's why it gets thrown back in the coach's face. It's like that's what they have to do. They're the ones running the organization. You know, they want everyone committed to the organization and all that. But then you're just bounced for greener pastures and then, you know, vilify the kids who the 18 to 20 year olds that do the same thing and bounce for greener pastures. It's just that's where, you know, that's where the the whole college arguments just kind of get get convoluted there that's why rush probes is a legend he commands that uh respect and he has that loyalty um but in terms of what happened in the michigan game were you surprised at all any strong takeaways from michigan iowa i have to say i was surprised because i thought i was going to give him a game so for mm. it to just be an absolute beat down uh the way they did like i would I wouldn't surprise Michigan won, but I was surprised that this was like not competitive basically from the jump. Yeah. Like Iowa was just not able to move the ball like at all. So yeah, I thought it was a it, Michigan needed to kind of like solidify like we didn't just beat Michigan we didn't just beat Ohio State this year. Like we're the class of the Big Ten this year. Yes. 
Iowa's got to do something. Brian Ferentz cannot be your offensive coordinator next year. This offense cannot exist in 2022. One, I'll tell you one thing that surprised me. Donovan Edwards, mm-hmm. you remember him, true freshman, a five-star running back, maybe the number one running back, number two running back, I think, coming out this past year. Mm-hmm. Maybe the best throw I've ever seen a running back make. Like yeah. that was like a forty yards, fifty yards in the air. Maybe like that was a that was a bomb. So kudos to the running back for dropping the dime. There you on go, that running back pass. Uh, Oklahoma State loses the heartbreaker we alluded to against Baylor. Um, just the Big Twelve cannot help themselves. This conference title game is just the death of this conference. <laughs> It really, they have been just barely left out of the playoffs so many times. Um, this is the game of the day, though. Like, yeah. just an incredible goal line stand to end it. Um, Did you think he took a bad angle? Took a bad angle? Yeah, with how he was bouncing outside. I kept going back, and I'm like, I think if he just turns up, like, I'm just trying to figure out when he should have turned up field and just, like, rolled into him and just rolled I forward. I don't know. I think he may have just underestimated that defender's speed because mm. I once he bounced to the outside, I definitely thought he was going to get to the corner. Yeah, I thought and it was over. Was like, like, I, oh, I wow. could not believe he closed on that. Like, I think yeah. you're right. He did not think he would close that quickly. No, it was, uh, it was, it was almost Pig Howard uh, memories right there. Did Georgia, you get some Penn Georgia, State? Tennessee to... a few years ago. No, we don't need to do that. Uh, do you remember... Um, the Penn State Indiana finish. Like, did you think? Oh, it, of course you, I remember that. I, that was a joke. So that was your thing. That you love yeah. that one. You love that citing was that. The exact one. ending of the Penn State uh, Indiana game. This, Speaking this of, it was, it was called correctly. Guess who's in the portal? Michael Penix Jr., former yeah. Tennessee commit. Also another former Tennessee commit, Adrian Martinez. The portal is loaded. Matt Green. Uh, Tennessee's getting one of like a couple of these guys. Like maybe two. Like I cannot wait to see who joins up because uh, as you know the cream of the crop they they want to go to tennessee and play in this simple <laughs> offense and i'm just i'm, I'm excited sure they're to gonna see. get somebody yeah I, but that that um that last oklahoma state drive was 17 plays 89 yards two minutes and 59 seconds mm. if it was a 90 yard drive it would have been the greatest drive in oklahoma state history but it was only 89 yards um we got to hype up the Big 12 defenses, man. Yeah. The, this is this is defense country now. So mm. these two teams for six turnovers, granted some of them were some uh some questionable decisions uh by by the quarterbacks. My green stat of the weekend, I actually had two. I'll I'll I'll, I'll give you the other one I had. Um I'll give you the other one I had first because this one's on top. The this I'll get back to my topic. My other stat, the green stat of the weekend against my Georgia Bulldogs. That was that Alabama scored more points in the second quarter alone than Georgia has allowed in an entire game all season. Mm. So that was my green stat of the weekend. But the other, the bonus stat was Spencer Sanders. He's thrown 12 interceptions on the season. Seven of them were against the Baylor Bears. That's preposterous. So, <laughs> and he threw zero touchdowns against the Bears uh, this season. 10 of his 31 career interceptions are against Baylor. So a third of his interceptions in his career have come to the Baylor Bears. Hmm. That's rough, man. Rough way to go out. but And we got to hype up um, backup quarterback, uh, mm. Blake Shapin. Yeah, he, could, he did the, he did mean, the he, Grayson he did Lambert. Thing. 
is Grayson Lambert. It's be- the best he could. Yeah. There was no Grayson Lambert performance. He was almost perfect in the first half. I think. No, that's true. He Grayson was like 16 of 16 or something like I that. Like, I think he ended up like 23 of 28 or so. Yeah. So. It yeah, was one of those classic. Needed. Yeah, no. I mean, I think this is one of those where I'd written down in my notes when I was watching that game. I was like, I think if Bohannon plays in this game, I think Baylor loses. I think this is one of those where Oklahoma State actually uh, got screwed by Bohannon not playing. Yeah, that's pro- that could be true. It's honestly, um, it's kind of how this, the first game went too. Like Oklahoma State, like they moved the ball more, like much more consistently. But I think the first one, they turned the ball over three times to to zero uh, zero turnovers for Baylor, and they still won that game by two touchdowns. And this time, they turned over four times to just two for Baylor. And, I mean, they're about six inches away from winning this game. Well, let's run through the remainder and uh, wrap up here late on a late on a Monday, Matt Green. Uh, UTSA blows out Western Kentucky. Um, Oregon gets blown out again. Oh, got that one wrong. Yeah. By Utah, I don't think either of us. We'll we'll finish with I going through the picks yeah, yeah. and uh, all that, and then Northern Illinois blows out Kent State. Good for Thomas Hammock and Rocky Lombardi. Um, we I think we both picked Northern Illinois there. Um, a stunner with San Diego State and Utah State. Uh, Utah State winning big there. Uh, Louisiana Billy Napier going out on a high note over App State. Uh, Cincinnati does what they need to do against Houston, and then Pittsburgh. Uh, just boat races, Wake Forest. Great season for Wake Forest, but Pittsburgh, uh, Kenny Pickett, going out strong. He made, I don't know what else this man could have done to uh, to tell America, I'm your Heisman. Give me Alabama's assets, and I could do what Bryce Young's doing. Um, shout so out I to think Kenny we Pickett. talked about this on the pod last week of if Pittsburgh hadn't been upset by Western Michigan early in the yeah. season, if they were a one-loss ACC champion, now how it's played out with Cincinnati, do you think one loss Pittsburgh would have gotten in? Yes. I don't think the committee wanted Cincinnati in there based on everything we've seen thus far. I think they would have given like one loss Oklahoma State, one loss Pitt. Yeah. I'm not I'm not 100% convinced just because if Clemson was good, yeah. and Pittsburgh did that, then I think then they might then that might have done it, but um I mean Clemson is was good. They finished 9 and 3. Yeah, but but it's like you're beating Wake Forest. Like no one really thinks it's like Wake Forest being top fifteen is like when Kentucky is top fifteen. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, they're, they're having a good season, but no one really thinks they're they're that legit. You well, know? the sports renaissance like, woman and Tori think they're legit. Have you seen Sam Hartman? <laughs> hey, this is all you. This Sam Hartman thing. I think this is all you. <laughs> but but yeah, I just He's a handsome Pittsburgh, guy. As good as they were this year, they're just. I mean, what's the best win they had? Was it was it Clemson? Like. 20 they beat the 20th no team. the best win was at Nealon. like it takes a lot to go into Nealon early in the I mean, season Nealon was a good but that's in all seriousness that's probably their third best win of the season like, that was behind, a Joe Milton game by the way the behind hooker game uh Clemson and Wake Forest but, yeah but yeah that's true they they that was that Hendon Hooker things are probably different with Hendon Hooker but um because Tennessee's offense was so much better with Hendon Hooker than Joe Milton but I don't want to talk about Joe Milton <laughs> i think i'm good on that one I'm, I'm good for forever on the joe millen experience um well let's how do we do like let's wrap up there how did we do on our last pick um of the 2021 season we'll get into our bowl soon and we'll map out our bowl schedule and how we want to do that 
in the playoffs. But uh, how do we finish yeah. out? this uh Last this year one of the Green. season um you went four and six overall <laughs> and four and six against the spread uh, i went six and four overall but five and five against the spread um so that brings us to a, a grand total on the season i guess we i know we won't we won't ah i think we got a bowl game's got to be a whole different season bowl so. game's different yeah, yeah opt so outs everything this is, different. This, season, this is the end so. Uh, 104 and 50 overall was my final record. Uh, you were 79 and 75 overall. <laughs> so I, uh, I beat you pretty good on wins and loss. I made some money. I made enough to get a uh, $5, uh, five for five at Wendy's. I did enough <laughs> for sure. And then, um, against the spread, I was 84, 67 and three, which, you know, I should, I should start putting some more money on that with, uh, you with really should. Numbers. Um, and you were 70, 81, and three on the season. So mm. still respectable, but uh, just under 500. So, and then Zeus, Zeus was six and six on the year. Um, so shout out to Zeus for, for finishing 500. Uh, he battled back. You know, maybe Maddox uh, by next season, he'll, uh, he'll do some homework and he'll be able to have some, uh, some insight to, uh, to give the listeners. We'll see. We'll see. Well, Matt, this has been another great season. Is this officially the end of our year two of uh, the full ride here on the Chase Thomas podcast? Yeah, gotta love it, man. These years are flying by. Like, I can't believe we already finished another college football season. Yeah, without a doubt. Oh, and last thing, I guess uh, you saw the Heisman finalists were announced. Yes. So Bryce Young, Stroud, Pickett, Hutchinson... Will Anderson absolutely hoes. I don't know how he's not a finalist. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's uh, you can only have one defensive player. I guess maybe that's the Heisman rule. <laughs> but um, I guess there's no question, right? Bryce Young, clear Heisman winner. I think he's going to win it. But I do think Pickett will come in second and we'll get some votes. Like, oh, you think Pickett is second, huh? I do. I could see Hutchinson being second. But honestly, I think Will Anderson was probably the best player in college football this year. Like, I would have voted Will Anderson ahead of everybody but Bryce Young. Hmm. Like, dudes, I mean, when, once you see his stats stacked up to, like, Chase Young and Joey Bosa and Ndamukong Sue, just that he had 30 tackles for loss. I mean, I think 32 after uh, the Georgia game. Like, just an absurd season for that guy. Like, 16 sacks, 32 tackles for loss. Like, dude's a dude's a monster. Yeah, for sure. Um, I also just don't get worked up about the Heisman. Like, it just doesn't no, really like. True. I just I can't do it. I'm just like, no, they're all awesome and they're awesome in different ways. It's not going to affect my day whatsoever. I'm just going to look at it and be like, oh, that's interesting. Okay, um, but it matters to those kids, and I, um, you would like to see the best uh, represented in college football. Uh, Radio and I White, wonder if oh, it yeah, wasn't ahead. just a quarterback on one of the best teams award, if you would care about the Heisman a little bit more. Hmm. That probably would know. help if it, there was more chance of like uh, more diversity across. You could uh, just be on a nine and three team, and it's like, oh yeah, Eric Berry or something. Yeah. Like that's the best player in college football. You know, like uh, there's certain guys like that, but that's the first one that comes to my mind. It's like he wasn't even considered. I feel like for the Heisman, and that dude was just that was the best player in college football. But um, but yeah, that's all I got. Eric Berry. Eric Berry, I remember that being in the stadium for that when they uh, they did the Halle Berry Eric Berry thing um, at the Tennessee Georgia game. Uh, I remember being there for that, and it was like Eric Berry, man, that dude 
miss out remember... on so much money. Like he was a NIL. Like if he was around for NIL, goodness gracious, Eric Berry, the amount of endorsements he would have pulled uh, in Knoxville and everything else, man. I mean, there's basically nothing tighter than a good defensive player that scores touchdowns. Mm. Like that's that's pretty much as tight as it gets. Like Ed Reed, Troy Polamalu, Marlon Davidson this week against Deion the Bucks, Sanders, just Charles Woodson, just those are. That's just about as tight as it gets. So, uh, <laughs> Ty, Tyran Matthew. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I remember I went to the 2008 Tennessee at Georgia. And, you know, no Sean was always known for his popping up every play. He'd pop up, sprint back to the huddle or whatever. And I remember Eric Berry got him on the sideline and he did not pop up. He just kind of, he just kind of rolled over. Uh, Eric Berry was a stud. There you go. There you go. Matt Green. Thank you for another great fun season this was this was a this is a lot of fun man this is uh one of my favorite pods to do and i look forward to these every week and i'm i'm sad that we will uh we will not have uh regular season football to preview but the season's not over the season's not over we still got bowl games and the playoff and everything else but the uh the regular season is officially officially done sir but thank you again i i, I can't say thank you enough for for joining me on this and uh making the time this has been great and i hope uh and i, I shouldn't even say that, but i know the listeners uh agree no doubt man that's uh we'll, we'll we'll figure out when we we get together for these bowl previews i need yeah. to uh i need to stomp you out on some more pickums yeah i think we do pods we get us ready for pod scheduling as we break them up into pods we pick like the handful of what's coming up and we hit them at a time like four to five at a time and just go through them that could be fun yeah that's where um, you go but yeah man happy happy to be on here every week absolutely Good stuff. absolutely matt green i'll talk to you very soon yes, sir nicely done nephew chase thomas podcast hell yeah